0: Church, how are you guys doing? When you walked in, did you see that I had shaved? And you're like, "Uh-oh, he's preaching. He's preaching." It's my quarter annually shave. Every time I preach, I shave. Other than that, it's just scruffy. Which I know it doesn't look good. It's just I don't have time to shave all the time. So, how are you guys doing today? Good. Ah, oh, it's good to hear. So yeah, like John said, Ernesto is on his way back, so if we could, as a church, be praying for him, uh, his safe return. You know, India's a great place. I was able to go there um, and see that ministry. David's a great guy, so we want to pray for their safe return and for that ministry. Before we get into anything, I want to pray, so let's pray. Dear Lord, I want to come to you today, and uh, just thank you for this day. Lord, thank you for this group of people Uh, Lord, we ask that you would bless Ernesto as he comes back with those people. Lord, I ask that you would give him a safe trip. Uh, I ask that you would allow his mind to reflect on the last 10 days and to gain wisdom from it. Uh, Lord, I ask that today you would open your word to us, that you would open our hearts. You would give us the gut punches that we need. Uh, Lord, I ask that you would make us receptive and help us all to learn something today. Lord, we love you so much, and we thank you for all you do for us. In your name we pray, amen. amen. All right, so I have been given the honor of closing out the Pentateuch. The Pentateuch is a fancy name for the first five books of the Bible. That's the collection. It's called the Pentateuch. Penta five, Pentateuch is something. I don't know. Pentateuch, though, the first five books. And this is arguably the most important collection in the Bible. I would say that the Gospels are more important. But the Jewish people would say the Pentateuch is like, that's it, man. Everything else is great, too. But the Pentateuch super important. Um, the Pentateuch in the Bible, when they talk about the word of the Lord... We're not sure everything that's included in that, right? Like, especially in like Proverbs and stuff, it's like, well, what books did they have at that time? Because books were written at different times. But one thing we know for sure, they had these five books. It lays out the history of Israel and how they got to the point where they're in the land. And I get to close that out today. When Ernesto told me I was doing the death of Moses... I was like, man, is this the only sermon in Deuteronomy? He was like, yes, it is. Uh, church, it's hard to do a whole book in one week. But Ernesto planned to do this, this whole ambitious thing of going through the Old Testament. He planned that because he loves us, but it's going to be crazy today. We're going through a lot of stuff. Um, we're going through the whole book. So the first thing I want to talk about, something I want to show us before we get into it, is a little bit of context. Um, I want to give you guys a tool for reading Deuteronomy for the rest of your lives. When I was in Bible college, someone showed me this, and it was one of my professors, and it it was forever like a lens shift for me. And if you guys could remember this as you approach this book from now on, I think that it would totally change the way that you read the book, because if you guys are reading along with us as we progress through the Bible reading, we're reading the Old Testament as a church, you guys might have been bored this week, right? <laughs> like, it's a lot of repeated stuff. You might have thought, God, why are you doing this to me? This, I already read this in Exodus. Like, why, God? The reason why is Deuteronomy is a summation of everything that's come before. And not only that, Deuteronomy is a legal document. A legal document. Deuteronomy is like a will. So from archaeological studies and stuff, we found that the book of Deuteronomy is structured exactly like the treaties of the ancient Near East. So the ancient Near East is, you know, Hittites, Canaanites, Uh, Israelites, all of those people, all of the players in the Bible, that's the ancient Near East. And what we found is Deuteronomy is structured exactly like that. So Hittite Treaty, we have a preamble, so an opening. We have a historical prologue, so it tells the history between the king and the servant, how we got to this point. We have a general stipulation, specific stipulation, so that's what the laws are. That's why we get the extra stuff from Exodus. The stuff that we already read, because these are the stipulations that the treaty are based on. Then we get blessings and cursings for following or breaking, and we get witnesses and then an epilogue. So, guys, that forever changed the way that I read the book. And actually, Moses says at the end of the curses, he says, now that I've said these things, that I've written these things out, I'm going to file this next to the Ark of the Covenant so that when you break these laws and God punishes you, you'll know why. This is a legal document. It's like a will. Moses is writing a will. And so, guys, I want to enter into this book understanding this is a treaty between Israel And Yahweh, anyone reading this book at that time in the ancient Near East would know how serious this was based on this structure. So, like I said, we're jumping to the end. We had to decide how to close out the Pentateuch. And we figured the best way was to talk about the end of the hero that we've been reading about for the past four books. It is the death of Moses. So I'm going to read that passage. It's in chapter 34, starting in verse 1. It says, Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho, and the Lord showed him all the land. Gilead, as far as Dan, all Naphtali, the land of Ephraim, And Manasseh, all the land of Judah, as far as the Western Sea, the Negev and the plain, that is the valley of Jericho, the city of palms, as far as Zoar. And the Lord said to him, this is the land which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. I will give it to your offspring. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord, and he buried him in the valley in the land of Moab, opposite Bet-Peor, but no one knows the place of his burial to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His, eyes was dim- his eye was undimmed and his vigor unabated, and the people of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days Then the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. And that's where we're going to stop right now. So what happens? Moses comes up on this mountain. We get all this listing of these names, all these places he can see. And these places are the promised land. The promised land, the place that they've been working for for the past four years. Yahweh quotes Genesis. He says, this is the land I'm going to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. This is a culmination of everything we've been reading so far. Moses stands on the precipice of a fulfilled promise, and he dies. The promise he had been working for for 70 years is within reach. It's at his fingertips, and he dies before it's fulfilled. And church, the question that we need to ask today is why? I I titled this sermon, The Tragedy of Moses, because when you read this passage, you should feel immense heartache for this man. Why is it that Moses dies with an unfulfilled promise, a promise that was supposed to be for him, but he looks at it and doesn't get it? So that's the question we're going to ask. And the question, the way to answer that question, the question of why is to flip back to 32. So, guys, we're going to be over, like, in a lot of passages today. John has them up on the screen. If you want to just read them on the screen, I won't judge you. I'm going to flip there. I need it, like, as a touch point. So we're going to be in 32, and we're going to be in verse 48. So this is right before what we just read, where he dies. It says, That very day the Lord spoke to Moses, go up this mountain of the Abrim, Mount Nebo, which is in the land of Moab opposite Jericho, and view the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel for a possession, and die on the mountain which you go up and be gathered to your people. As Aaron, your brother, died in Mount Hor and was gathered to his people, because you broke faith with me in the midst of the people Of Israel at the waters of Meribah Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin, and because you did not treat me as holy in the midst of the people of Israel. So it says that Moses broke faith with Yahweh. And if we wanted to move on and be like, I want to get through Deuteronomy, let's get to Joshua, we could just be like, all right, he broke faith. That stinks. But guys, I want to know why he broke faith. What does, man, this thing's falling off. This, guys, this is the mic thing. It's a forever battle with me. The mic's always a battle. So, guys, why is it that Moses broke faith? What does breaking faith with Yahweh mean? That doesn't, that doesn't trans. That could mean anything, right? So, in order to see how Moses broke faith, we need to go back even further because we have the story of Meribah Kadesh. So, go to Numbers 20. What does it mean... To break faith with Yahweh. So, I'm gonna give you guys a a retelling of Meribah Kadesh. So, in Meribah Kadesh, we face something with Israel that they've been doing this whole time we've been reading. Israel's complaining, right? That's what they're doing. Israel complains. They're mad, they're thirsty, and there's no water. And Israel's like, man, I wish I was a slave in Egypt. It would be better than being here. Let's kill Moses and Aaron and go back to Egypt. Moses and Aaron are like, "Uh uh-oh, our goose might be cooked. So they go to Yahweh, and they say, what are we going to do? These people are thirsty. And Yahweh tells Moses and Aaron, go in front of the assembly of the people and speak to this rock. And from this rock I will have water flow out. And that's where we're going to read. So in verse 10, so 20, verse 10, it says Then Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, Hear now, you rebels, shall we bring water for you out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his staff twice, and water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank and their livestock. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. These are the waters of Meribah where the people of Israel quarreled with the Lord, and through them he showed himself holy. Guys, what happens in the story? Moses is told to speak to the rock. What does Moses do? He strikes the rock. He strikes the rock. He does not speak to the rock. He disobeys Yahweh. But this is the thing. How many people here have disobeyed Yahweh? Show of hands. All of us. Like, so why is Yahweh so mad? He's so mad. Like, he, this sin... I understand it's sin, but why is it? This is the reason why Moses, the thing he's been working for for 70 years is ripped from him. Why is it that Yahweh is so angry over one sin? And what I want to pose today, the thing that I want to pose today is this. This is not one sin. This is not Moses just deciding to do something. You see, this is a culmination of Moses' whole life You see, Moses had a pet sin in his life. How many have pet sins? I think if we're honest, all of us have sins that we like and we don't deal with. Moses had one of those. Anger. Moses was an angry guy, right? Moses killed the Egyptian slave, you know, master. Killed that guy. He had to flee. He smashes the Ten Commandments. Moses is angry all the time. And guys, right here, if you look at what Moses is saying, you have to read between the lines a little bit. Moses is fuming mad. Moses is fuming mad. He says, here you rebels. Do I have to bring water out of this rock for you? And he smashes the rock with his staff twice. I wonder why twice. I think the first time it didn't work. And he's like, why isn't this working? And then God lets water come out of the rock because God didn't want Israel to thirst. Moses faces this punishment though. Guys, Moses lets anger this sin, this sin that he never dealt with his whole life. He never dealt with this sin. He lets it come out and finally Yahweh says, enough is enough. And that brings me to my first point. Church, if we allow sin to fester and grow in us, it will eventually exclude us from the fullness of God's plan in our lives. The fullness of God's plan in our lives. If we let sin reign in us, eventually Yahweh will say, enough is enough. I'm done. And we will be excluded from what Yahweh had for us. That happened to Moses. You see, this festering sin, these pat sins, if you're honest with yourself, examine yourself. Do you have it? Moses had it. Anger. He let that breed in him. He never dealt with it. He never rooted it out. And guys, he was excluded from the thing that he worked for for 70 years. I'll use this example. Um, I've seen many pastors that lead huge congregations, famous pastors, pastors that preached at Moody Bible Institute when I was there. I've seen those men have their ministries ripped away from them because they allowed sin to fester in their lives and they did not deal with it. Maybe the pastor's an angry person, like Moses. I've seen famous pastors that I, you know, you listen to them on the internet. They're internet famous pastors. And they're angry. They deal with their congregation angrily. And eventually, a reckoning comes. Yahweh says, I've had enough with you. You won't deal with your sin. And they lose their ministry. Guys, that is an exclusion from God's fullness of his plan. God has a plan for all of us. And there's a full plan for us. But if we allow sin to reign in our lives, he will take some of that away from us. I was scared a little bit to write that point because we like to preach grace, right? That's what we like to preach. And uh, you know, if you guys want to write a letter, what is it, Nabus 19? Yeah. That's I I didn't wanna, I didn't wanna. It's a hard thing to preach, but church, it's the truth. If we don't learn from the tragedy of Moses, this can happen to us too. You know, some pastors. They fall to the sin of lust. I've seen a lot of pastors have their congregations ripped from them because they did not deal with that sin. And church, I don't bring those guys up to be like, shame, shame. I bring that up because it's the truth, and it's the biggest thing that I've seen a huge issue in the church is allowing sin to fester and grow in us. And then our leaders fall, and they're excluded from the fullness. Do you think that a pastor that has 10 churches can reach more people than a pastor ripped from those 10 churches. That's the fullness of God's plan. And it can happen to any one of us. Guys, it could happen to Moses. Moses is a myth. He's a legend. He's the Michael Jordan of the Old Testament. He's the Scotty Pippen of the New. That's what he is. He is an absolute legend. He looks God in the face and his face shines with gold, like Moses is insane. He, he does massive miracles and he still loses out on the promise that God has for him. It can happen to me. It can happen to you. That is the first point. And that's, the, that's the lesson that we have to learn from the tragedy of Moses. And so the thing I want to ask now, if that's the lesson, now what? What do we do? And I have two points here. They're kind of like two tides of the same coin, I guess. Not the same coin. I'll just get into them. Um, The first point, church, if you have yet to follow your sin down a path where you are excluded, see, that happens in our lives. Our sin will bring us to a point where God says enough is enough. If you have not gotten to that point in your life yet, root your sin out. Self-examine yourself. Look inside yourself. Find your pit sin and get rid of it. Get rid of that sin. Acknowledge the deficiency in all of us. Look inside yourself and get rid of that sin before God says, I've had enough with you. Root that sin out. If we don't root that sin out, We will be excluded from the fullness of his plan. That's the truth. It's a a hard truth, but church, I want to encourage you to do that. Don't let it get to be too late. Don't allow it to get to be too late to this point where you have to look back on your whole life And see the missed promise of God. I want to point something out to you guys. I say acknowledge your sin and root it out. If you go to Deuteronomy 1. I want to go to Deuteronomy 1. Look in verse 34. This is the beginning of the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 1. It's how the book opens. And here's what it says. It says, And the Lord heard your words. This is Moses talking to Israel. Says, and the Lord heard your words and was angered, and he swore, Not one of these men of this evil generation shall see the good land that I swore to give to your fathers. Except Caleb, the son of Jephune, he shall see it, and to him and to his children I will give the land on which he has trodden, because he has wholly followed the Lord. Even with the even with me. The Lord was angry on your account and said, you also shall not go in there. You hear what Moses says. Moses says, even with me, God was angry because of you, Israel. Because of you, Israel. And he said, I won't go into the promised land either. Guys, Moses lives his entire life in denial of his sin. Moses is blaming everyone else but him for his sin. The book opens with that idea. I'm being excluded from the promised land because of you. And the book closes with the truth. What did we just read in 34 or 32? It says that you will not enter the promised land because you broke faith with me, Moses, at the waters of Meribah. Guys, you know what Moses says in response to Yahweh? Nothing. Moses is silent. The chapter moves on. Moses has no retort. Church, I read that silence as of a 120-year-old man who sits there baffled by the fact that he was a fool his whole life. Moses was blind to his sin his whole life. This great man, this man that the Bible reckons as a hero, He still knows, I was a fool because I let this sin reign and I never acknowledged it. Church, I don't want that to be us. I don't want anyone in here to be sitting there at 90 and have a a sudden realization that they could have had more from God if they had just opened up their mind and rooted out their sin. Church, don't let sin reign in your life. You will miss out on the promise that God has for you. And it can happen to any one of us. It can happen to any one of us. The other side of this coin, my last point. Church, some of us in here have already committed that sin. I guarantee it. Some of us in here have followed sin to a point where we've done irrevocable damage to our lives and to the promise that God has for us. Now, I'm not gonna give examples here. I don't need to. If I gave examples, all it would do is have people look elsewhere. Church, if you've done that, if you've followed your sin to a point where you've done irrevocable damage, you know it. You know it because you live with that every day. You have that guilt inside of you every day. You live with the repercussions of your actions. You guys ever have one of those dreams where you like do terrible things and then you wake up and you're like, oh my God, that's I'm so glad that that wasn't real. <laughs> like that, that feeling, some of us live with that. Some of us have done that. Church, I wanna give those of you who have done that great encouragement today. I want to give you great encouragement today. You see, Moses doesn't speak in 32. When Yahweh says you're excluded because of you, he is silent. But you know what the next thing Moses does? You know what chapter 33 is? It's like the longest chapter in the book, and you know what it is? He blesses all of Israel individually, personally. He gives a blessing Guys, remember what I said about this whole book being written as a law that was laid out to hold Israel accountable and make sure that Israel was going to be okay? Moses wrote this book already knowing he wasn't going into the promised land. Guys, in the beginning of Deuteronomy, I think it's like chapter 7, I don't remember. In chapter 7, I think, He says to Yahweh one more time before he gets into the laws, he says, Please, Lord, I've only begun to see your miracles. Let me go into the promised land. And Yahweh says, No, I told you already, you're not going in. Guys, Moses could have left right there. How many of us would have? Moses could have been like, You know what, dude? I've been serving you for 70 years. You're not going to let me go in. I'm out of here. I'm going back to being a farmer. He could have done that, but Moses doesn't. Moses does not do that. Moses lives his life faithfully even in the separation, even when Moses' plan in his life had been changed. He lives faithfully in church. If you've been one of those people who have fallen to a sin that has irrevocably changed your life, live faithfully faithfully. Live faithfully, even though your plans changed. And I'll tell you what God will reward you still. Flip to 34 one more time. Deuteronomy 34. I want to read starting in verse 5. It says So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in the valley in the land of Moab, opposite Bet Peor but no one knows the place of his burial to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were undimmed and his vigor unabated. It's easy to gloss over the truth that we realize. Maybe some of you caught it. I didn't catch it until I read a commentary on it. So I didn't catch it. Someone caught it for me. I was like, whoa. Church, when Moses dies, Yahweh is the one who buries him. Yahweh is the one who buries him. Guys, what a loving act. Yahweh could have left his corpse there dead as a testament to Israel and everyone to say, if you don't root your sin out, you will be shamed like this man. But Yahweh, in his great love, buries Moses. Church, there's no one else in this world that was buried by the one true God. Yahweh experiences a sentimental moment with him. Try and connect it to us. To be a pole bearer for someone is a great honor. Yahweh excludes that from all of Israel. He saves Moses for himself. You see, you can ring bells that can't be unrung in your life. You can commit sins and follow sin to a point where you do irrevocable damage, but no bell that you ring can separate you from the love of God. That is a fact. Church, that is a fact. And we see it with Moses here lived out. Moses would want us to know this truth. He wouldn't want us to uphold him as some absolutely perfect person. Moses lived his whole life wrong, even though he was right. Even though he was this legend, he's way greater than me. What do I do? I pour concrete. Moses led him thousands. Like, he was a hero. Guys, we need to learn from this tragedy This this moment. Guys, the Bible says that his eyes were undimmed and his vigor was unabated. Does that sound like a person who was ready to die? No. That is a person who had to die to let the next stage come in. That was someone who God said, you're going to go die, dude. He could have went into that promised land. He had more life in him, but it was time. Israel needed to go in, and Moses had excluded himself from that promise. But Yahweh gives him this tender moment. Church, I want to encourage you as people today. If you have not followed your sin to that point where you've done that damage, deal with it so you can experience that full plan. But if you have, don't fret, do not be sad. God still has a plan for you, and God still loves you. You can still do great things. Like I said, the New Testament hails Moses as a hero. Hails Moses as a hero. That can be all of us in here, church. Will you pray with me? Dear Lord, I want to come to you today. Thank you for this day, Lord. Uh, Thank you for your word. Thank you for these people Lord, I ask that you would allow us to apply it to our lives, and uh, Lord, we just thank you for all that you do for us. Please bless Ern as he gets home, um, keep him safe, keep all of us safe so that we can be back here next week for Easter, the greatest day ever. Uh, Lord, we love you so much. In your name we pray, amen. Amen.